I was looking for a princess who was young. Uh, ideally, I wanted somebody about 16 years old, 17 years old. They both Luke and Leo were supposed to be the, around the same age, and I wanted somebody, you know, teenager-like. So it was finding somebody who could hold her own against strong actors, uh, and you know, and still be the, the princess that she needed to be and be the authority figure that she needed to be and make it believable. I met a girl from the side of Alderaan I asked her home for the night Her name was Leela, beautiful lady Falling in love seems so right George Lucas ruined my life. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. 57 years ago, I did his little Star Wars film, a cult film that then went on to redefine what they laughingly refer to as the face of cinema. And now, 65 years later, people are still asking me if I knew it was going to be that big of a hit. Yes, I knew. We all knew. The only one who didn't know was George. We kept it from him because we wanted to see what his face looked like when it changed expression. Episode number 170 of Blast Points this is Jason. And this is Gabe. And later, we're f- oh, I'm so excited. We're finally talking about the greatest George Lucas interview ever done ever. When you told me about this, I didn't believe you. And when you told me it was the best George Lucas interview ever, I didn't believe you. <laughs> and I was wrong on both counts. It's real and it is the best George Lucas interview ever so i can't wait to get to get into that in a little bit carrie fisher sitting down with george lucas at skywalker ranch in 2002 oh seriously it's the best we're gonna be going all into that going all the way through their conversation but first can you believe it we've got news what's that we have release dates (laughs) for Untitled Star Wars movies post the rise of Skywalker. What's happening? What is happening? Ryan Johnson will create a brand new Star Wars trilogy, the first film of which he will write and direct with longtime collaborator Ron Bergman producing. The new trilogy is separate from the episodic Skywalker saga and will introduce new characters from a corner of the galaxy Star Wars lore has never explored. The creators of the Game of Thrones television series, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, will write and produce a new series of Star Wars films. The new films will be separate from both the Skywalker saga and Ryan Johnson's recently announced trilogy. Yeah, instead of, it seemed like didn't before we would get like, these are the movies we're making, but we don't know when they're going to come out. And now they've just flipped it to where these are, there's going to be movies here, but we're not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> it's like, you thought waiting for a title was hard. Now you have to wait for any sort of information to know who's making the movie, what it's about. December 16th, 
2022 Star Wars movie. December 20th, 2024 Star Wars movie. December 18th, 2026 Star Wars movie. We will be 75 years old. Before we were joking about trying to stay healthy to make it through all the movies, but now I think we're serious. <laughs> yeah, no, I I read this and I was like, what? I knew it was probably going to happen, but seeing it like in writing, it's like, oh, oh no. I got to get a treadmill and an exercise bike and a jungle gym and one of those wall things from Ninja Warrior or something. I don't know. It's like while you're reading that news, you're eating a slice of pizza, and then you look down at it and just then just throw it in the trash. <laughs> yeah, I was looking forward to letting myself go after the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Eat nothing but banana splits for 10 years. I lived through the Skywalker saga. I deserve this. Just a lot of root beer floats and <laughs> beef jerky with cream cheese on it or something. <laughs> uh, now I got to eat a salad every day for the next seven years. Salads for me and maybe a cucumber. I'm going to live it up. It's Christmas time. I got a cucumber. It's, so that's three years after The Rise of Skywalker. The untitled Star Wars film on December 16, 2022 will come out. I like how spoiled we are now. We're three years, like three years. Oh my God. But, but, you know, back in my day. I mean, I guess it's only a year between them once they come out. But like, yeah, thinking back to the the original six movies, you had to wait three years between each movie. But I think the thing that's driving me nuts is because we don't know who or what is making it. And it's like, if it ends up, being the Game of Thrones guys movies and then Ryan Johnson's still making one, but his don't come out until after those. Like, do we have to wait till we're like 50 years old to see the Ryan Johnson movies? As of just weeks ago, Kathy Kennedy said they were all working together or something, trying to figure out what all this was. So yeah, is it alternating between a Game of Thrones guys movie and a Ryan Johnson movie or did their plans for movies get combined into one weird thing now or something? Yeah, or are one of them going to be doing something for Disney Plus and not doing a movie and doing a series? It's, I don't know, it's just, it's exciting and it's also kind of nerve-wracking that we don't know what's, even if we don't know what it is, I guess we need to know, we need more information. <laughs> <laughs> so we can plan our lives for the next 10 years. Both Game of Thrones guys and Ryan Johnson have both said on their own within the past month, couple months or something that, yeah, they that's what they're doing next. They're Star Wars projects. And there's three years before, no, four years from now, right? Before one comes out. What are they going to do for four years? I like that it's in December because, like we said a thousand times, December is the new home for Star Wars movies. Somehow it just feels right. And they're not going to try and do two a year, let it come out every other year, and by the time it comes out, we'll be crazy. The The neat thing with the Ryan Johnson, whatever it is, is you have no idea what that guy would do. Like, it could be... Star Wars Midnight Madness, where a bunch of droids and bounty hunters are going around the galaxy on the great all-nighter looking for clues. Yeah, I think that's that's the hard thing, is I was so excited to see what Ryan Johnson does on it with without being constrained to the Skywalker saga, that if I have to wait eight years to see that, I don't want to hear that. But yeah, I mean, the idea of them taking some time and making the Star Wars theatrical movies more of an event and then using Disney Plus to kind of go crazy with the, the side story stuff that they were doing with the Star Wars story films makes a lot of sense. And if there's four years till that movie comes out, who knows how many that might be four new TV shows that we'll get before then. Well, and that's the thing, too, that in the three-year gap, from the rise of Skywalker to whatever happens in 2022, there'll be more Mandalorian casting Andor will come out and who knows what else too. 
Yeah, because there's still Resistance. There's still at least one season of Clone Wars. There's potentially another brand new animated show. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I was thinking about the Cassian show today because I was looking at the Moroff action figure on my desk. And it just got me thinking if they're going back before Rogue One, if they run into Saw Gerrera and his crew, are we going to get to see Moroff and Pow and all those aliens that they have the suits and costumes for who just didn't get a lot of time in the movie? Like, we can get a whole episode about Pow in the uh, in Bistan the Space Monkey. Do they know Claude? They maybe they do. We'll get the origins of Claude, his great grandfather. If Claude is a a friend of the Resistance in the Rise of Skywalker, maybe Claude's family has a long history with the Rebel Alliance. Maybe when Leia was calling out to her allies in the Outer Rim, the first person to pick up the phone was Claude. Oh, he's the only one who responded. <laughs> Hello. Hey, I can help. I'm not doing anything. I can be there tomorrow if you need me. Oh, that's why Leia said no one responded, because she really didn't want Claude to show up. No one responded, and there's a little resistance person. Actually, I got someone on the phone, and they said their name is Claude. Where are you? old buddy Claude. Come on, talk to me. I'm just waiting to help. The other thing I was thinking with the Game of Thrones guys versus Ryan Johnson thing, too, is those Game of Thrones guys, they write, they produce, but they don't really direct. Usually there's other people directing those Game of Thrones episodes. Yeah, so according to uh, the always 100% accurate IMDb, they directed three episodes, Walk of Punishment, Two Swords... And yeah, so they're directing, they directed the final episode of this, of the series and season. But yeah, I was thinking the same sort of things where I was like, oh, maybe they're, they're teaming up, but it's like, that's the whole thing with Ryan Johnson is he writes and directs. So he doesn't, he doesn't need help, (laughs) but so do those guys. So yeah, are they going to alternate movies or it's, it's always a mystery. It doesn't do anything for Star Wars fans. Yeah, because we don't obsess over anything. No. <laughs> and Star Wars fans are not really, they're not the kind of people that endlessly speculate. And then that speculation spirals out of control really quickly. That's, that's never happened before. No. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, you know, Celebration Anaheim being next year now makes a whole lot more sense. I feel like when that was announced, everyone was kind of like, well, it's cool, but there's no movie, so why are we doing it next year? But it makes a lot of sense where that could be where a lot of this information is finally shared and we start to get a clearer picture at the post-Rise of Skywalker landscape for Star Wars. Well, and the other thing, I don't know if everyone's excited, but I am looking forward to a new Avatar movie every other year as well. For for what, eight more years of Avatar, whatever, right? There's four more every two years. So, oh boy, like it's gonna be exciting. And Indy, Indiana Jones five. They're saying July 9th, two thousand twenty one. Let's do it. Harrison Ford can still walk. Let's do it. Bring back Mac. Bring back Stalin's fair haired girl Irina Spalko. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cyborg Indy travels through time and interdimensional. Portals. So, in other news, on May the 4th, seems so long ago now, Lucasfilm announced a whole slate of Rise of Skywalker publishing information. A lot of really cool books, a lot of really intriguing things. But the one thing that probably stood out the most to us is the cover of the art of. The Rise of Skywalker by Phil Shostak. And this cover just about <laughs> made me fall right off the couch, go roll across the living room right into the wall. I, I looked at the picture on my phone in, in sparks 
came out of my hand into the phone and it, it rebooted. Oh my god! So okay, let's try. So on the cover, you've got Ray on the top with a like a red lava Mustafar looking background something behind her. At the bottom, you've got Kylo Ren. He's got his helmet on, but Kylo Ren is like a reflection of Ray in like water. Their lightsabers are clashing. It looks like Kylo Ren is reaching to the light, which could be symbolism. Who knows? The crazy thing is, like, it's it's a wild-looking cover. It's, it's insanely awesome. If you look at the covers of The Art of Force Awakens, The Art of Last Jedi, th- those are things that were pretty much in the movie. Even the art of Rogue One and the art of Solo. It's like, you know, it wasn't like wild, like, blue sky period, crazy concept stuff on the covers. So what does this mean for the rise of Skywalker? <laughs> yeah, because this has got my my mind racing as far as, well, we saw what? The Force flashback stuff in Force Awakens. We saw the Force Skype calls. What do they call those? What's the, what's the official term now? I think Force Skype is, or Force Link. I think either one of those is fine. Um, so we got that in Last Jedi, and like, are we getting an even crazier version of that now with Rise of Skywalker? Like, is this a dream? Does this actually happen? And just yeah, the idea of it's the light and the dark, the yin and the yang, the balance—it's all there in this image. In addition to just potential crazy psychedelic force fighting, which may or may not really happen, because I keep thinking about. With what Luke did in Last Jedi is like, is that the next level Jedi fighting that it's it's all in their minds? Like, they're not even going to be physically in the same space fighting? It's like mind battles. Well, and are they both, like, so powerful in the Force at this point? Like, if they are representing the light and the dark and the balance, can they even fight each other? Is it like, you know, like putting two sides of, of like, a magnet together where, like, they can't touch? Oh, right. Seeing that that cover, it was just it's it was like seeing the trailer for the first time. It's just a reminder that this movie's gonna kill us. Just kill us dead. Just just murder us. Yeah, they they threw down the challenge to JJ and he thought, okay, I think I can get a little crazy this time. <laughs> and it's it's terrifying that like these came out. I'm very happy that these came out, but it's like it's a reminder that from now all the way until December, it's gonna be like a slow drip in the bathroom while you're trying to sleep. And eventually that drip is going to flood your entire house. But it's like a slow drip of boiling water. <laughs> it leaks on your head and wakes you up. You're like, that's hot. I'm burning. I can't stop thinking about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. And again, it it leads to more questions than answers. It's like every drop that we get, we're so happy to get some more information, and it just leaves us with more questions. Every drip. Why are you still dripping? What does the dripping mean? I don't even own a wrench. And then it's like, maybe it's dripping in Morse code. Maybe if I decode it, I'll know what it means. <laughs> but it was cool. We got some May the 4th stuff. We got something, and it was a doozy. It was juicy. It ruined my entire day. It was on the Saturday. There was stuff I wanted to get done. Nothing happened. Oh, you're at the grocery store. Did you see the art of Rise of Skywalker cover? It kind of looks like the Jedi symbol. They don't care at the grocery store. No. <laughs> Captain Rex. You're listening to Jason and Gabe on Blast Points. So on January 30th, 2002, we were just about four or five months away from the release of Attack of the Clones. On the Oxygen Network, there was the incredible interview with Carrie Fisher and George Lucas. It was an interview show that Carrie Fisher had called Conversations from the Edge, a a play in the title of her book, Postcards from the Edge, which was later made into the movie and all that stuff. It was just, it was Carrie Fisher going around and interviewing people, which is a great idea for a TV show. This was the first episode that aired on that Oxygen Network. Later interviews she did where she talked to Courtney Love, 
Melanie Griffith, uh, Robin Williams, Jude Law, for some reason, uh, Diane Keaton. And the final episode was with uh, Debbie Reynolds, which that must have been great, too. Yeah, I need to go watch all of these now. But this first episode, where she talks to the one and only George Lucas, for, for Star Wars fans, and especially for fans of George Lucas, this is, this is the ultimate, in my opinion. Yeah, I was surprised watching this how much it was like if someone said, hey, Jason and Gabe, you get to go interview George Lucas. She asked all the questions we would have asked. <laughs> it was like, it's like she knew. The, these are the questions we would ask Lucas after we could already talk to him for about four hours. And maybe if we drank a lot of alcohol, too, where we <laughs> just the fear was just gone because she has no fear around Lucas. And But she's also throughout the interview and what makes this interview so incredibly special is she asked the questions that we fans want to know. Like we all love and appreciate the intelligence, the brilliance of George Lucas, the way he can sum up the force and love and, you know, all the great stuff, all the clips we play in every other episode of Blast Points of, you know, when George Lucas has something to say and he's passionate about it, it's usually very brief to the point and extremely eloquent and pretty awesome. But then also there's the layer of what the heck is the deal with George Lucas and why is this guy so weird? The George Lucas that wanders into the back of the science documentary right. or the George Lucas sitting by himself eating at a, at a strip mall in Australia. The real, the real George Lucas. The fact that he really only wears plaid shirts, faded blue jeans and Nike Monarchs. And sometimes with a blazer over it. Like, it's all kind of eccentric, interesting things that we want to know about. Yeah, it's the kind of questions that we would ask someone we thought that was like a fake George Lucas. And they were like, hey, you go ask this fake George Lucas questions. And then we found out afterwards, oh, this is the real George Lucas. <laughs> Those are the kind of questions that Carrie asked him. I'm so glad it is on YouTube because, yeah, like seriously – I've been talking about this, I think, since like 2002. And for a while, I started to think that I dreamed it up because I couldn't even find any. I, I would like Google search Carrie Fisher interview show and like nothing would come up. And I'd be like, but how did I see this? What did I see? I would like tell you stories like, oh, you know, George Lucas talked about the time he got drunk or something and it's like well maybe i never did see that maybe <laughs> it sounds like a really good dream <laughs> yeah because it's crazy that you would think oh it's george lucas it's carrie fisher people want to see that that it would have been on youtube forever but it what it just showed up what in the december of last year like it's only been up there a couple months so luckily somebody was smart enough to realize that they had a gold mine on their hands and had to get that up there yeah, we got to give a shout out to you out there, Blaked36, the person who seemingly recorded this off TV and had been sitting on this tape of it for almost 20 years now and finally, yeah, decided now is the time to finally let the rest of the world know about the brilliance of this interview. What's fun with this, too, is this, I think, is a reminder of as much as we think like the late 70s, early 80s was like the high point of George Lucas interviews and behind the scenes stuff, the lead up to attack of the clones in 2002 is a gold mine for some of the weirdest, strangest promotional stuff with there's this interview. And in our previous episodes, like all the MTV tie in stuff where they had the, was it total request live or hanging with MTV, whatever all at, at the ranch, all about attack of the clones, the master P interview, like, Lucas was just extra loose and extra weird and doing all kinds of just strange stuff to promote Attack of the Clones. So it's it's nice to see that stuff starting to come back and, and show up on YouTube now so we can uh, relive the magic. And it gives, you know, like we need a reminder, but it gives a reminder again of just how fantastic and great Carrie Fisher was and how much we miss her being around and just not caring about the 
what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it. Carrie Fisher on any kind of interview show, whether she was interviewing someone or whether she was being interviewed, was always an absolute highlight. And stories of her at Celebration kissing people on the lips and throwing glitter at them and stuff. I don't know. She is she has definitely missed in this this interview is a another reminder of that. But it's great these things keep popping up. Like here's a great Carrie Fisher thing that's kind of related to Star Wars that so few people have seen and is just amazing. And it's like, yeah, she's still here just popping up on weird things. Right. It's like when Yoda said through the force, things you will see other places, the future, the past. Old friends long gone, but he was actually talking about YouTube. <laughs> That's true. That's another the other name for the force is the YouTube. So let's get into it. Let's start going through this conversations from the edge. It, it starts out where she's pulling up to Skywalker Ranch. And it's, you know it's going to be good because as soon as they walk in to Skywalker Ranch, she starts talking to Lucas about alternate career ideas he would have had. He starts to because she's admiring the architecture inside Skywalker Ranch, which probably everyone does when they walk in there. But we learn a surprising bit of information about a career path Lucas would have been okay taking. Do you think if you weren't a filmmaker, you would have been a interior decorator? Um, I might have been an architect. I wanted to be an architect when I was growing up. That was my big deal. So you know John Lennon said he would be a hairdresser? Yeah. I thought maybe interior decorator. I wouldn't be a hairdresser. Yeah, I'd like to be a hairdresser too. Really? So, right away we learn some secrets. Some George Lucas secrets. Yeah, he thought he wanted to be an architect, but Carrie convinced him that maybe he really wanted to be a hairdresser, and he was okay with that. <laughs> that could have happened. Sure, why not? Yeah. It was either Star Wars or doing somebody's hair, which, you know, pretty much Lucas is a hairdresser. I mean, it's, you look at the quaff throughout this interview. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> He's made out of toothpaste. I don't know how that works. There's one point when I was watching this interview, I was just staring at his hair and I was like, how is that possible? What is that? I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I don't even know where it's, where it's growing from and where it's combed to and what direction it goes. It's, it's like comes out of the center of his forehead somehow. I'm still convinced it's like Lego hair where it just like snaps on his head or something. But yeah, right off, right off the beginning, she's digging into him. And then isn't it right after that, they really set the tone because Carrie Fisher has that little machine that makes obscene statements, basically. <laughs> now, do you remember when we, uh, I wrote the young Indiana Jones thing with you? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we both had these. Matahari. Hey, Yes. You're a That's always the best way to write. Hey, you talking to me? <laughs> I think I'd, I'd always write these beautiful eat. romantic lines. No, but and your that opinion was, of my romantic line is in that little that no, but toy. we would I remember that we both took them and with I the, would take those it away was, from you. No, but you had it also we were both going like that yeah. and doing we no, we both had them and we I were would, both I would grab it away from you and well, the Send thing is, you. you you wanted to write, and I believe it, it did end up this way because you know you're George Lucas and I'm not, which I only realized this morning, which was upsetting. Um, <laughs> uh, you wanted to write, your eyes are the colors of diamonds that glow. Nah, come on, the, it wasn't that bad. It was pretty. Well, it was very flowery. It was very anti-ironic uh, uh, and. And modern cynical it, it kind was, of dialogue. It wasn't hip. It was. Uh, it was very forties. Well, but I mean, was, the was... weirdest forties in the world. <laughs> so her criticizing the <laughs> Lucas's romantic dialogue. It it's anti-ironic. It's very nineteen forties. And I love her saying that's the weirdest 40s in the world. <laughs> well, the other thing with this, I was thinking, is didn't she? Work on the prequels uncredited too, and maybe she did work with him on some of the Attack of the Clones love talk, and that's why she was kind of bringing up the young indie stuff because she probably saw the version of the script and probably had some notes on it. It's not that bad. It it, it is kind of convenient to be bringing that up 
in the lead up to Attack of the Clones, which is, you know, the pinnacle of George Lucas' flowery love talk. But yeah, I <laughs> the minute she started hitting buttons on that little box, I almost lost it. Because that, that was the last thing I would ever think to do when I'm interviewing George Lucas. And she brought it with her. She remembered. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it came, this episode came out the end of January 2002, but it seems like it was kind of recorded kind of close to September 11th. Because then it, it gets kind of serious as they start talking about like the concept of heroes and like changing and like of its time and lucas starts to get really kind of serious about like well you know people will learn about compassion and stuff well that's what i mean the notion of sort of heroes now uh whether you know a celebrity is a hero that is completely changed don't you think i mean i don't know about that not completely the the, the issue of heroes and we've had lots of heroes through history you know it's in uh, through history, the, the, but not lately. Well, we've since the end of the Cold War, uh, and I guess the end of the Vietnam War, even more, and in the end of World War II, even more than that, uh, we have come to sort of uh, not focus on that kind of thing, uh, uh, and heroes have been taken in a little bit different light. But the human spirit and what it takes to be a hero and what it means to be a hero and what it means to care about somebody hasn't really changed. It's just that we have gotten kind of uh, complacent and uh, uh, not paying attention to the real issues. Mm-hmm. Um, something like this puts everything back in focus and says, look, you know, people's sex lives are not that important in the real world. What's really important are you know, taking care of other people and compassion and helping people and, and sticking together and trying to make this a good world. She kind of tries to keep it like kind of more topical and current of the time. And then Lucas just completely changes the subject and plays a clip of her audition for Star Wars. I want to talk about that. Speaking of vengeance, they've got something that they want me to show you. Uh oh. Well, the databank's not too, it's still secure. Oh, I am adorable. You're so cute. Which is really great when you think about it, that she showed up with her little sound machine to throw him off guard, but he had her audition tapes ready to go. It's like wizards fighting. He whipped out visions from the past to distract her. I love that she brings up the runner-up, and they completely name-drop Terry Nunn, lead singer from Berlin. She was the runner-up for Leia, which I just always forget that um, you know I mean you guys your personalities very much fit the, char- the needs of the character do we ever know what happened to my runner up your runner up she became yeah. a rock star you liar no I'm not Terry Nunn you're trying to she's, no, with a, you'll she's never the lead singer in, in a rock notes. group it's something it's um Berlin. huh Berlin. Berlin there we go See? really yes she's the lead singer in Berlin you can cut that out of shoot <laughs> yeah I'd forgotten about that too until they brought it up, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. And George Lucas probably has all their albums. It's, it's so crazy to think about, because yeah, I, then I went back and I watched Terry Nunn's audition. Then I looked at pictures of Terry Nunn today, like imagining like an alternate universe sequel trilogy with Terry Nunn as General Leia Organa. You know, and it's like, wow. How weird. She would have been the one singing the Life Day song. I don't, you know, it's again, we're dealing with some weird alternate universe, you know, where Jake Gyllenhaal is wearing a cape watching Terry Nunn sing the Life Day song or something. Yeah, with, with his magic fishbowl on his head, yeah. You know, an, another good thing to bring up, though, is George Lucas is not wearing a plaid or flannel shirt. <laughs> He's actually wearing John Knowles' shirt, I think. He talked to John Noel and was like, Carrie's coming by and she told me I can't wear a plaid shirt. Can I borrow one of yours? I don't I don't have any shirts that aren't plaid or flannel. So off camera is John Noel not wearing a shirt. <laughs> Just waiting for the interview to be done so he can put his shirt back on and go back to work on Attack of the Clones. I was wondering because when they're when she's playing like the swear box at him, you can hear someone off screen laughing. Maybe that was John Noel, who's not wearing a shirt shivering (laughs) well after all that they jump right into a very intriguing story about some drunk independent director yelling at george lucas or something 
<laughs> well, remember when I had to save you from the independent director that was chastising you on the boat? Oh. The drunk director. The drunk director. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was, you know, the funny part of that was is that when I was on that trip two years ago, two and a half years ago, we had exactly the same conversation. And he was drunk then, too, but... <laughs> he, he uh, you know, it was funny because he obviously... You've ruined, he, he said he, you've ruined he, filmmaking. Yeah, he'd been right. holding on to this idea for so long that... Um, and he really he just, wants to confront you with it, like you're the uh, only, he's the only person that's ever going to say well, that. He's confronted me twice with it, and I imagine he's confronted Steve with it too, but it's, uh, you know, it's this, uh, again, uh, a kind of lack of understanding about the way of the world, especially the, the, the ecosystems that run not only socially and naturally, but also economically. That, uh, you know, you can't have small art films unless you have big money-making films. Like, listen, if you don't like Star Wars or if you don't like that kind of blockbuster big event movie or something, fine. But actually going up to George Lucas physically and being like, you ruined Hollywood, like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's you have some anger issues, I think. <laughs> I think you got you have more problems than the Star Wars movies. <laughs> but I also like that Lucas then turns it around and starts relating it somehow to ecosystems or something. Yeah, well, and, and basically saying that the film industry was always terrible, <laughs> and he didn't ruin anything, or if anything, it was better now because it was. What did he say? It was only three people. The whole studio was three people in the old days, and now there's at least more more people looking to find new films. Because well, what he says to you that that the blockbuster ruined the. I mean, I don't the, even know yeah, his. The, you, the, the logic is is that that it made the studios dumb. You know that they were very smart and intelligent. And they were doing really wonderful things in the '70s, and they were allowing filmmakers to have their freedom. And they were they were promoting all these very artistic films, which is really a lot of BS. In the 70s, there was only like two or three people at each studio. I mean, it, that was it. I mean, you went to a studio to make a deal. You went to one or two people. That was the only people there. Oh, yeah. Now there's at least two or three hundred, and I'm not kidding, two or three hundred in the creative affairs department, executive vice president level of people and readers who actually make decisions on what movies get made. In a way, it's almost like, wow, it happens to George Lucas, too, because I think that's happened to probably every Star Wars fan at some time or another. You're like, you go somewhere wearing your Star Wars T-shirt and someone's just like, oh, Star Wars. Mm. I happen to prefer real cinema, you know, and I'm glad it happens to George Lucas, too. It's true. So after that, George Lucas starts talking crazy about his his desire to move into TV after he's done with Revenge of the Sith. But I am going to go back to other things and do what things that I really want to do. Uh, to be very honest with you, there's a lot of TV shows I'd like to do. A lot of TV. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's an interesting format because you don't get wound up in this, you know, first weekend grosses and, you know, how to uh, play here and there. And, and it, you can actually do very uh, uh, specialized, unique sort of niche programming and get away with it. And I like that. And so I'm interested in history and things, and so I'm going to do some... Historical TV series. Like what area and, of history? Uh, I'm interested in the Roman Empire. I'm interested in, uh, you know, more ancient. Like the Gladiator. Well, that's part of it. But I'm more interested in the in the the, the political story that's being told through, uh, through that, uh, which is probably the you know longest running, greatest sort of civilized like, government in that mankind's ever produced. So you sort of like is it like epics? No, it's not epics. It's it's. Uh, I'm fascinated by the fact that uh, the history of Rome very much deals with a lot of the same issues that we are dealing with now in terms of contemporary problems. And I would like to be able to put that down and say, look, what you think is now a, a new and unique experience is actually something that happened 2,000 years ago, and they were coping with the same problems. When I feel like when I watched this again recently, I was like, I've never heard about this ever before. I feel like, wasn't there an interviewer article at some point of him talking about that because that sounded familiar and me, yeah maybe i was just imagining it because it's almost like when there was that rome show there was an interview where he said like what he liked to watch and he said he liked that wasn't that on hbo rome they had that 
Britney series. And I swear in one of those interviews, he said he liked that show and maybe said that he always wanted to do a show like that or something. Or I'm just imagining all this. <laughs> well, I thought I imagined this entire interview at one point, so probably not. It's probably out there somewhere. But this it, this made me think of a couple things. Like, number one, well, of course he directed a scene or was on the set or whatever for Game of Thrones because what he's describing, what he kind of likes, it sounds like it sounds like you would like Game of Thrones. But also, like, Lucas could still do something like this, and I could almost see him taking this to Netflix where seemingly they could give him whatever kind of money he wanted and he could probably do whatever he wanted. And if George Lucas wanted to, like, make a historical drama TV show on Netflix, I mean, he still could, and I think it'd be fascinating. Well, at this point, I'm pretty sure Disney Plus would let him have a show. True, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I forgot about that, right? But I think just think the interesting thing was, too, that's just the idea that this is 2002, and what he's talking about is exactly what he did with Clone Wars of, hey, we're just going to make this TV show and then figure out what to do with it later and then that was the same idea going into when they were going to do the live action show like they were just going to make this series and then go figure out who who would broadcast it you know because what clone wars came out in 2008 or was it 2009 something like that yeah i think eight so you know this here he's talking six years before that of kind of what he ended up doing after revenge of the sith he didn't end up with his rome show but he got sucked into clone wars and working with those guys for all those years and it makes sense why he's showing up on the set of Mandalorian because TV, it's like after the prequels, TV was where his heart was. Well, after all this is done, then we move into the subject we're all dying to know about George Lucas and dating. What was the thing with girls in school? How did you do? With at which level? Well, at like. I started out with a girlfriend around the sixth grade. And, and I how was had that? Had my heart broken. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. But. It was uh, one of those fun things in the sixth and seventh grade, you know, where it's very to have your heart broken? fanciful kind of puppy dog, silly kind of love. It's fun. Yeah, I, it's great. The interview starts out with really serious post nine eleven. What are what do heroes mean anymore? And then get into the Roman Empire, and now Carrie just flips it. Yeah, let's talk about young Lucas. And partying and dating. Which I feel like this is what she really wants to know about. Because she keeps coming back to it. Over the 45 minutes or so of this interview, she doesn't let this subject go. It's what she wants to know about. We learn that Lucas had a girlfriend in sixth grade and it left him very heartbroken. <laughs> and he's and just after this interview, he was going to go to his elementary school reunion, which I didn't even know those existed. <laughs> Did you get to run into her later and, you know, have her regret the whole thing, that she dumped George Lucas? No, no. No, No. I haven't seen her in years and years again. That's a long time. Although, I'm going back to my my, um, elementary school 50th reunion. You're kidding. Yeah, next weekend. That'll be exciting. Maybe she'll be there. Ouch. It's me. It's George. Remember me from fourth grade? (laughs) You broke my heart. (laughs) Did you see Phantom Menace? What'd you think? He briefly mentions Marsha, which was kind of cool. But then we learn something interesting about Lucas and something that Carrie Fisher seems extremely fascinated by, the fact that he works out. Now, um, now, now you've got me so confused because you said, oh, now here's what I wanted. How are you at sports? I'm so confused that you work out. I didn't even know that you worked out. When did I that start? Out? Oh, a long time ago. It worked out. I started working out really for... for Health most, No, I got divorced, so I... I said, I got to get in shape, you know. So that I'm a I can bachelor date. Now. I'm a bachelor now. I got a date. So, and I've just done it ever since. And, you know, I get encouragement from my doctor and I get encouragement from. So, what do you do? Uh, I work out. You know, I treadmill and I. Weights. Uh, stairs and weights and the Sit whole up. deal. The whole deal. It doesn't work. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> I know. What but you I mean. do it. And I had the same reaction that she did. <laughs> it's. Because remember, we've talked about other pictures of George Lucas jogging somewhere, right? Has anyone ever seen George Lucas in the wild exercising? Well, now we know why he does it at home. I like this Carrie Fisher. So what do you do? How do you stay so firm and fit? <laughs> I like that she, she asked the million dollar question. Did you play sports in school? 
<laughs> but now in school, did you play any sports, Will? I just can't imagine um, you as kind of a sports guy, although you have yeah, the Fourth of July picnic. I grew up a very kind of, even though I grew up in the middle of California, I grew up in a very Midwestern, you know, I played football. I didn't play it on the, the football team in high school, but we'd go to the park every Sunday, and all the kids would get together and play football, played Little League. I did play Little League for a long time. And uh, when I got into high school, I was on the tennis team, and I played tennis. So. Really? You don't still play it? I don't have time to play it. I have a tennis court. I just never get there anymore. Because, again, these are all things we've thought about. Did did George Lucas play sports in school? And what, if he did, what was that like? Oh, I've thought about that more than once. <laughs> he was on the high school tennis team. Where are photos of this? We know what he looked like when he was in high school. Where are photos of him on the tennis team? Why are former members of his tennis team speaking at celebrations? Right. Where can I get... A 8x10 glossy George Lucas tennis team photo in a, in a frame that just says Star Wars at the bottom. So riding this high continues to go into the subject of George Lucas and flirting. We're, we're done talking about his, his doomed relationship in sixth grade, which he was very heartbroken, his silly kind of love. Now we're on to George Lucas and flirting. And we learn that he admits he's not very good at it. So are you really good at flirting? Flirting, I'm terrible. I've never been very good at flirting. It's not my thing. I don't know whether it's because I'm shy or just because uh, uh, I don't think that way, but I've never... You're not that as shy anymore, though, but in maybe in that area, then, you don't have a pickup line? No, I don't But have a you are. Line. You embody a pickup line. George Lucas, yeah. you kind of don't have but to... But many of the women are afraid of me, so that they, they sort of hover, but they never come close. And so you know, what would you generally have to do then? You have to put have them to, at ease. Yes, I look at so them. So that's the flirting then. You just put, <laughs> put them at ease. Yes. Yeah. So I can, I can look and I can smile and um, I can get them to come over. and I don't have to have a pickup line. At least not anymore. That's luxurious. Yes, isn't it? He can look at them and smile. Oh, George. Hey, it works. You know, in like... We're playing the audio from this interview too, but we'll we'll, we'll post a, a link to the to the video and the show notes and all that stuff. But you gotta actually watch it because part of the fun of watching this is Carrie Fisher's face during all of this, <laughs> like when he's describing his like lack of game. She's just eating it all up. They talk for a little bit after that about uh, the fact that Lucas went to the Playboy Mansion. It was, it's like I was trying to save cinema. And she's just like, yeah, okay. Then she brings it back to him working out. <laughs> she, she's like, okay, we, we meant, I know you went to the Playboy Mansion, George Lucas, and I paid attention that you were there. Let's talk more about you working out. So when you first, so you just went into working out when you first went into back to dating? Yeah, pretty much. Before that, I was working, and before that, I was also, um, you know, I mean, I, like I, I got divorced when I was sort of late 30s, you know, pushing 40, and so uh, my age was catching up with me, so to speak. Before that, I was a skinny kid. Remember when I was directing Star Wars? I mean, I was really skinny. And you, you were know, I weighed like 127 pounds. And you, yes, and you were unbelievably quiet. Well, that's, I think, more mythology than real. <laughs> I, I like, too, that he mentions how skinny... How skinny and quiet he was. Well, and then, yeah, after Star Wars was done and he was almost in his 40s, how he let himself go or whatever. And then now he was single, so he had to get himself back in shape because he had to start dating. Things get a little bit serious after that where they start talking about uh, his father, which is kind of good. He's like He mentions that his father was strict and firm, but his father was not Darth Vader. So was your, your father was strict? Uh, my father wasn't strict. My father was firm. You know, a lot of people have tried to, you know, especially the media, try to say, oh, you know, your father must be Darth Vader. And it's not like that at all. My father was, uh, you know, uh, That's very... pretty simplistic. Well, the media is extremely simplistic. But, um, you know, my father was very firm. And he was very, you know, he... Uh, my mother was actually ill a lot. So I was raised a lot by my father. And, um, uh, and so were my sisters. And... Um, you know, he was he had rules, and but in the end, he was uh, uh, being a reasonably conservative guy and pretty firm. He was very, uh, very fair. Yeah, I like how he talks about how that's kind of more the media, but that's still articles you see to this day. Like 
George Lucas's father must have been the most evil person in the world. <laughs> and then I like that it turns into how his sister, when she was 13, dated a 17-year-old. <laughs> and his dad was totally cool with that. Uh, you know, my sisters came in after 11 o'clock or something, you know, you don't come in. But at the same time, uh, you know, one of my sisters, when she was 13, was dating a, a, a kid who was 17 and... You know, it's just it isn't. It's sort of a disconnect when you think about it. And I think about it with my daughter. But then Carrie Fisher takes it to the next natural place, where has George Lucas told his children about the facts of life, and how did George Lucas learn about the birds and the bees? In terms of those kinds of did issues, did he tell you about the facts of life or your mother? Uh, my dad did. He did. Yeah, I mean, he didn't go into great detail. When but. you were what age? I guess it was about 11 or 12. What did you think about it? And that's it was old, boring. It was sort of like, you know, sex education in school. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, now you get it in school. And we then did eventually get it in high school. But now most kids get it in junior high school. Yeah, I really hope there's a copy of this in like the Smithsonian or the Library of Congress or something. Because, yeah, really, they send a space probe to the unknown regions in our solar system that there's like, a clip of this interview on there for for space aliens to see. <laughs> it, it all just makes so much sense. It's like, uh, you know, people say if you want to understand Star Wars, you have to watch Kurosawa and Throne of Blood and all that stuff. Uh, maybe, but you really got to watch this interview is really the truth. It's all the secrets of Star Wars are in this interview. Right. Throw out all your behind the scenes making of books and just... Uh, just watch this on loop. But then we get into George Lucas and going to school. He started as a history major. Then he moved into anthropology. He thought about being an illustrator, but he openly admits he can't draw. He studied photography, which then Carrie Fisher naturally takes it back to dating. And she asks him, I think she asked him, was he a girl chaser? <laughs> so you weren't like a film buff as a child or anything like no. that? Wow, that's riveting. You know, I watched my share of television, but not that much. Uh, so you didn't go to me. like foreign films. You didn't, uh, go, you didn't see all that. You saw I that. See, you know, I, we'd go see The Blob and go see, uh, <laughs> you know, but basically we went to, you know, chase girls and hang out. We never actually went to, to watch the movies. So you're like a big girl chaser? No, I wasn't. I mean, all boys go to movies to chase girls. That's why you go to movies. You do? Or you used to. Yeah, when you're a teenager. You, know, How do you, you go to the movies hoping you're going to meet some cute chick and like sit in, in front of them or sit behind them. No, you go sit behind them and you tease them and you flirt with them. And, you know, and then you get to sit next to them. And Then Carrie Fisher asked, I think, my favorite question in the entire interview. Yeah. Did you go to ever go to a make-out party? Mm. Oh. Did George Lucas ever go to a makeout party? <laughs> he stood there observing. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> not really. I mean, I went to parties that turned into makeout parties, I guess, a little bit, but not that much. I mean, everybody would sort of wander off and do their own thing kind of stuff. Spin the bottle. I mean, I grew up in the late 50s, early 60s in that period. So life didn't really become crazy until I really got into college. No, but he went to parties where making out happened. <laughs> I, I prefer more of a silly kind of love. <laughs> Got out of there. This whole make out parties. <laughs> I think they're kissing. Oh, somehow, somewhere, young Georgie Lucas ended up at a make out party. Oh, God. <laughs> I thought there would be chocolate bars. And there was just kissing. <laughs> Who's the weird guy in the corner with the, with the Coca-Cola and the Hershey bar? <laughs> That's Georgie Lucas. Well, and then she talks about, you know, then this is something we've all wondered about. Lucas was going, to, he was in California, and it was the mid-late 60s. What was up with that? There was a lot of drugs. Did George Lucas ever do drugs? Did he ever get drunk? We find out the answer. Uh, I am very thankful that I missed out on all that. You and I missed nothing. out on it. I did nothing. I know. And I, and I missed out at the most intense period in time. But I know. Part of That's it was, what's amazing. But part of it was a lot of my friends were getting involved in it. And... Um, uh, one, I got, I got this. Is, it all started to really, the drug thing really started to happen uh, in the mid '60s when um, when I was in film school, and I was just completely obsessed with film. 
And then I saw a lot of my friends in college and sort of sort of dropping by the wayside and having problems in their lives and stuff because of it. And I just said, you know, I just I'm just not going to go there. And and I you know I never drank much. I mean, I got drunk a few times, threw up, and said, this is stupid. I'm not going to do this. I'm, I don't even. What would drunk George Lucas even be like? Is he did he start telling jokes? Was it like <laughs> maybe did he start talking? You know about the space wheat and you know or was it like. THX one and three eight or something like live or something. I don't. I can't even imagine. Get all the secrets out of him at that. Point. That was. Everyone's learning all my secrets. I can't do this anymore. Slip up. Tell them the story for episode nine. I can't let this out so early. So, Carrie Fisher doesn't stop there. She keeps drilling on him about Lucas and the counterculture movement in the late sixties. We find out was George Lucas a hippie? You weren't a hippie. I was not really a hippie. I mean, I wasn't, I mean, I didn't drop out and join a commune. And, you know, the big, biggest thing we did is we went to San Francisco. We sort of formed a film commune, you know, a film manifesto kind of uh, uh, thing. And I was involved more in the social movements of the time than I was in the drug movements of the Which time. Which was? Uh, anti-war, you know, uh, free speech, uh, you know, integration. There were a lot of issues going on in those days that, that I was involved with, but not in the uh, sort of hippie, uh, you know, get stoned and listen to music. And She has another million-dollar question. Did he ever go to any concerts? Uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, The Doors, Jimi Hendrix, and, you know, sort of the normal stuff that everybody was involved in. But you really point. like music. I mean, I love st- music. I love music. I love rock and roll. I st- love all kinds of music, but, and I especially loved that particular period of music. And I love the 50s music, you know, 50s rock and roll. I grew up, you know, from the point of, of Elvis on, I guess, uh, Fats Domino and Elvis, I was there. And, you know, but I was only like nine or 10 years old, but I love that music. He doesn't say specifically if he went to a Doors concert. You would assume that probably by the way he answers that question that he maybe did go to a Doors concert. Well, and we know George Lucas is all about rock and roll and he confirms it here. He's Mr. Rock and Roll. Jim Morrison and George Lucas in the same building at the same time. Or Jimi Hendrix and George Lucas in the same building at the same time. Well, wasn't he too, maybe it's an urban legend, but I think it's true, wasn't he a cameraman on the Rolling Stones' uh, Gimme Shelter documentary when they played Altamont? I remember reading that, that they employed USC students to run like B-roll cameras because that was in San Francisco. It does. It says he's credited, so he was there. George Lucas was at a lot of concerts. <laughs> he would go uh, with Linda Ronstadt to see Aaron Neville. So she asked him, "Were you into science fiction?" Um, surprisingly, he says he's more into fantasy. Well, you created universes, though. I mean, what what even started you thinking you would do that? What what a weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> Were you into science fiction? No, I'm not a science fiction person at all. I mean, so, I, I like science fiction in that it gives you a forum to discuss social issues without the intensity of, of the sort of uh, folk reality that exists around most So you can issues. do that Roman stuff. Yeah, and, and uh, that's why I like history. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, science fiction is just another way. Or I'm not really in science fiction at all. I'm more in the fantasy land right. of things. Mythology. There's a very different world. But I do it because I want to be able to discuss issues, philosophical issues and otherwise, without, the, uh, without a lot of the uh, floats and jetsam that sort of comes around a contemporary issue that, that makes people close their minds to the, to the subject matter. She asked him, do you identify with anyone in Star Wars? He doesn't really... He, it takes him a while. He tries to say, like, Leia in the hairdo, and she's kind of like, nah. And do you identify with anybody in these these films of yours? Who Do Mine? you identify in somebody in Star Wars? I know it's not me. Yeah, it is. It's me, <laughs> in, the, in the weird dress and the hairstyle. Yeah, I've always wanted to have that hairstyle. You tortured me with that hairstyle, and I, I was know, too frightened I that you know. were going to fire me because of the 10 pounds overweight that I acquiesced. That's why. Oh. Now it can be told. You said, "Did you do you like it? What do you think?" You said, <laughs> and I said, "It's, it's really okay. nice. It's really yeah. nice." That hairdo was designed to be noticed, and, oh, it, and it was good. noticed. <laughs> that was the point. At this point, though, it's really fantastic because I feel like 
as we're getting closer to the end of the interview, Lucas is really loosening up. It's like the loosest Lucas you've ever seen on film, <laughs> which makes it unfortunate that this interview isn't like four hours long. You know, there was probably like outtakes. Yeah, it may have been four hours long. You're right. And they just cut it down. Yeah. Where is that footage? As we get close to the end, things really heat up where Carrie starts accusing George Lucas of having what she calls a weird, creepy S&M thing going on. So now you put her in S&M clothes. You have some weird, creepy little S&M thing going on, George. <laughs> I'm now what the S&M? S&M. Well, I'm an because S&M you were joke in a on harem? Friends. I, I guess. That's not S&M. Come on. That's well, you said bikini. Now you said that this, you know, right. the, she's in a weird outfit now, too. Well, she is, actually. You she, she's, my, she's in more S&M than you ever. We were in harem, you know. But it was the chains and the killing of the slug is very S&M these days. Really? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I, I thought you, know, you were just killing a slug. I just missed the outer edge of the S&M scene. Yeah, I'm no, so I, upset. I, that, I may have been naive, but I sort of missed that. That angle on the whole thing. It's, I, I mean, I knew there was a little domination. bit of a little bit of metalwork in the suit and everything, but it, you know, it was uh, sort of appropriate to the to the time period that we were. I like dealing that with. you like sort of stronger women. They seem sort of pissed off strong, but you know, they're stronger. Well, you were funny. Besides being, you know, you were strong. After that uh, S and M thing, there's really nowhere else to do and. No, nowhere else to go. And Carrie Fisher starts to talk about how she, she's got to go. And, uh, yeah, they close it out with what they got their, the swearing machine back out. Hey, you talking to me? <laughs> yeah. We have to. Hey, you. And Stop. it's been a, my pleasure, too. <laughs> but, you know, like one thing you can take away from this whole interview is you really get the sense that the two of them were friends. Like really good friends. Oh yeah. Well, especially in the at the part talking about parties, how or it was like I think it was back with the Playboy Mansion where he says the only parties he goes to are hers. And why would he drive all the way down to I'm assuming L.A. or wherever she lives if he didn't like her parties? <laughs> it doesn't necessarily seem like George <laughs> Lucas goes to a whole lot of parties just to hang out and have fun. But there is a bond there between those two. And uh, she she never took it easy on him, which is great. You don't see him that loose. And he tries to f- go into his normal Lucas talk of ecosystems and... <laughs> Microscopic organisms. Yeah, and the notion of heroes and all, you know, all of his, his, his standard things that he talks about. But also she gets him talking about the fact that he was on a high school tennis team and... Did he go to makeout parties and that he got drunk like two, three times in his life and threw up? The things we want to know that we didn't know. Yeah, we can't say it enough times. If you have a computer device and access to YouTube, you owe yourself, it's what, 43 minutes of your life that you will not regret spending on this interview. One of the best things ever. I'm so glad it's out there now for more people to see. You're a So are you. <laughs> All right. This I, is I, the way we write together. The, yeah, when we were writing really together, we I said, I got this great idea. What if she. she <laughs> and I would break your yeah, thought. Yeah, you break my thought. But it ended up being your thing anyway. You got your way. No, it's I didn't. Way. No, I didn't. It was a shared responsibility. You modified my overly flowery romantic tendencies. Um, and made it all ironic and crazed like I am. as she was beautiful. Here they come. A gentle princess who could handle a blaster with the best of them. But all she had to do to save the Rebel Alliance was escape from the Death Star. Princess Leah was running out of time. Princess Leah is back. Star Wars is back. Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. And these last points, too accurate for sand people, 
Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. iTunes reviews, you know the drill when you're done listening. If you want to help the show in that way, head over there to iTunes, Apple Podcasts. You write a little something about the show, and we will read your review in an upcoming episode. We've got a bunch we've got to get through. We have at least one here in the United States. we got some international ones. Hopefully, we'll have time next week to tear through some of those iTunes reviews and maybe some new ones if folks leave them. Yeah, and make sure you check out BlastPointsPodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and sign up for the Facebook BlastPoints Super Chill Group. And if you want to help out the show even more, we have a Patreon if you want to subscribe to that, help out the show, get some bonus episodes. We just had our Endgame Review is still up there, and we'll be recording a secret special commentary of something very soon. Very shortly. It could it could be out in just a matter of days, and it's going to be a wild one. Extra special for you, Blast Points Army on Patreon people. We don't know what to expect with that one, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, that about wraps up episode 170, Carrie Fisher, George Lucas interview. It's a silly kind of love, and we love it. Which is, that's really the best way to describe, I think, our relationship with Star Wars, right? It's a silly kind of love. It's, it's, it's straight out of George Lucas. We didn't make this up. Dare to be cute, a silly kind of love. He's got all the, all the quotes. Yeah, well, we'll be back next week for episode 171. We're going to be celebrating a uh, anniversary, a Star Wars anniversary that we're looking forward to. Probably not what you expect. <laughs> say it's it's kind of close to a couple of Star Wars anniversaries, and it's probably yeah not the one that you're thinking, but it's definitely one. Tune in for that next week. So until then, thank you, everybody. Bye bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. kind of love. May the force be with all of you.